0: That there appears to be a train of thought in America that says that black lives do not matter relative to everybody else. So when we say black What's lives, that? who's the, saying that? The very, the very actions of this nation, the very actions of, of police officers who shoot black men in the back when they're running away from them, the very idea that vigilantes are killing black people. Uh, without without any lawful uh, context. And you, you think there's
1: more of that going on today than there ever has been in the history of the Republic? Is that what you're saying?
2: Welcome in, boys and girls. Another week, Alabama Politics This Week with Josh Moon and...
0: David Person. What's happening, man?
2: Oh, not a whole lot. In a short, short break this time. I bet when we left uh, and we told everybody we were going to take a week off, they're like, "Oh, that's it. They're gone for another three months." Uh, but no, <laughs> you know what? We went. We ate into ourselves into a food coma over Thanksgiving. We came back right on time, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we uh, we got we got a pretty good uh, show uh, today. I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna have yeah. uh, Secretary of State John Merrill on, so we can yell at each other for a little while. Um, and, uh, is
0: that how it, is that what usually happens when you guys get into a conversation when you interview him <laughs> or something? Uh,
2: not, not typically. I mean, it's mostly, uh, snarkiness with a smile. Uh, you know, if that, uh, <laughs> uh, if that, uh, I think it's a pretty good depiction of, of that usually, but, uh, you know, how was, uh, how was the Thanksgiving day?
0: Thanksgiving was great, man. My son came up and, uh, we, uh, we basically just uh you know ate food and and looked at movies and uh talked man and and then we both had work to do so we were working as well so that that's how yeah. it went but it was a good thanksgiving
2: yeah, it's a, it's the same way here, man. We had the the folks that we normally have around us, uh, you know, that we uh, we kind of have have chosen to to do uh the pandemic with, which is uh, you know, we we made the decision early on that we were going to have both sets of grandparents around. Uh mainly because uh both sets of grandparents are, are are fairly, well, not fairly, they are healthy and uh and because they're also all still, you know, working and still out, you know, being around uh people but because of the things that they have to do. Uh, and so, you know, my mother-in-law is a, is a school teacher and, uh, so she still has to go to uh, to classes and stuff and she gets tested fairly regularly and, and stuff. And so, you know, we, we did uh, some stuff with them and, uh, you know, had them over and had the whole meal and stuff. And man, it was, uh, you know, uh, it was very, very filling. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't the full Thanksgiving's of old, but it was, it was nice. It was nice it's- enough.
0: So. so it sounds like both of us basically defied the CDC uh, d c <laughs> I, I don't
2: I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean we didn't uh what what was the what was the limit supposed to be ten to twelve wasn't that the limit 10 well, to 12?
0: I, well, I thought they were saying flat out don't go don't travel, don't have anybody in your house just straight <laughs> up that, that you do not yeah. live with
2: yeah well, kiss so. my ass. I mean, I, you know what I mean. I mean, listen. I, 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 I'll do what I can, you know, and, and I don't. Right. I don't want to be reckless, but I mean, if I'm around these people right. on a Thursday, on a regular Thursday, I can certainly be around them on a Thanksgiving Thursday. Uh, so, right. you know. Right. I, uh, but no, it's a uh, you know we didn't we didn't feel like we put anybody at risk, and so far uh so far so good uh we we have had uh, zero zero cases in the in the moon family of uh, of covid uh yeah. you know since since the gathering for uh, for thanksgiving so we i think we uh we we've done okay but uh you know I I I was, we didn't get on a plane. Nobody got on a plane or did anything right, like that. Right, I, mean, I think, right. I think that would have been probably a, a bridge too far and not, nobody in the family would have done that, but right. uh, you know, I'm hopeful, uh, you know, and and I guess that, that kind of is a good segue into, uh, into what, you know, it has to be the the main topic of discussion at this point, which is, you know, kind of the, you know, keep saying resurgence of COVID. I, I don't know that it. Um, it necessarily died down enough to call what 's happening a resurgence, but it is mm-hmm. we 're back at record numbers again um you know more than what twenty seven hundred people in in the u s died last week uh or mm-hmm. like, yesterday i'm sorry mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. yesterday, not last mm-hmm. week yesterday, which was wednesday um mm-hmm. uh you know that is a staggering figure um you know that's that's more if you go and look at the chart the death charts that is more than have died in all of Japan throughout oh. the entirety of the pandemic oh,
0: oh, oh. Um,
2: in, oh. in a single day.
0: Uh, a single the last day, two yeah.
2: days, the last two oh. days, which were Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, more than 5,000 people in America died from COVID, which is oh. more than died in China throughout the oh. entirety of this pandemic. Um oh you know for the which for the to be able to call it the chinese virus that's uh, you know right. uh right. really really something uh, you know i i don't know i it it seems
1: to me that this is a
2: fairly simple thing to uh to avoid for the most part You know, uh, certainly people that who have tried to be careful have gotten it, but to me, the widespread, uh, you know, nature of this thing would, would have been easy enough to avoid through a few simple little things, mostly wearing a mask and, and staying away from people. And Um, let's,
0: and and, and let's, and let's, let's, let's put a pin in and examine for a minute what it means to wear a mask because mm-hmm. it does not mean that you have a mask uh wrapped around your ears but the your but neck, the covering the, the actual the actual mask yeah. part is on your chin yeah
2: yeah and the, yeah the the, the mask I, neck does not really help anything it
0: does not help anything and i see a lot of people who walk around with masks on their chin as mm-hmm. though the chin is the thing that is transmitting the disease <sighs> or for, or is vulnerable to getting the disease it's insane yeah. Um
2: it it is indeed. Um and you know, I I I don't I don't know what it's gonna take, man. You know, and uh you know, I I heard or I guess I read a, it maybe probably was a tweet or somebody on Facebook or something that said, you know, we're really gonna have to rethink the slogan uh uh you know, the the, the about the pandemic, avoiding avoiding playing things like a plague. Uh because apparently we don't avoid plagues. Apparently uh you know, we're we're running right into the thing. Yeah.
0: Um Well, we got a we got a jughead president, you know, who (laughs) continues to uh, undermine the science and the and the and the medical professionals. And Mm -hmm. so then you even things are so bad. And Josh, this is a true story. I know it's going to sound like like I just made this up, but this is a true story. I was in a, a a North Alabama medical office just this past week. And I'm having a conversation. I happen to know some of the people that work there on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And so one of them came in and we're chit-chatting and talking, both of us wearing our masks and being socially distant. And this this person says to me, he says, you know, we got somebody here in this office that is, uh, you know, that refuses to comply with the policy to wear the mask appropriately. This is a medical, this is a person in a medical office (laughs) who's wearing their mask around the chin and in meetings with people is being defiant about the whole idea that COVID is real in a medical Uh, office.
2: Yeah. I don't, I I don't know what to do, man, uh, with, with people, uh, anymore. I, I, I really don't. I mean, I'm not just saying that kind of facetiously. I, I you know, I, I never imagined that there were this many stupid people in, in America. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, I sometimes will say that jokingly and stuff. I I, yeah. I legitimately mean that there, there are a lot of stupid, stupid people
0: uh, yeah.
2: that, that are, that just, that have latched on to things that they want to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, this is a problem. I mean, I, I put something last night on Twitter about um, you know this this pandemic and and those numbers that I just uh, recited about you know the you know how how many people died over the last couple of days. And I mean, the responses from some of them, normally I don't read the responses on Twitter, but I actually went in and physically disabled some uh, some mutes on this uh, so I could go in and see what the responses were, uh, because I was interested, you know, if the, if the same trolls and the same ignorance still prevailed out there. And, and some of them could have been bots. and But it, it was a lot of the same stuff. Uh, you know, well, I don't know why you would believe China uh you know and and by the way, do you not understand that our population is much bigger than japan's and australia's and and all this I'm like um one day, man, this is what happened here in one day all right and and it's just right. that that to me and and it also gets us into something else that I wanted to to bring up, which is you know th- this week uh the State Department of education uh r- revealed that we're gonna lose roughly ten thousand students. So ten thousand students are missing from the roles this year uh that were here last year uh mm. during this pandemic. Mm. And and you know that <sighs> They keep talking about getting us back into in-person school, and that's the problem. You know, is we we don't have this in-person school, and a lot of these kids don't. You know, they can't they can't handle it virtually, and the parents can't handle it virtually. So they've just given up on the system, and you know, a lot of them have gone to private school, and we we're having all these issues because we you know we just these these teachers won't get back in here and do what they. And you know, the problem is here is that you look around, and all of it is related to Republican governance at every level.
1: Mm-hmm. We
2: have. This the reason we had a shutdown to begin with back in in you know late spring, was because we were going to give ourselves time for hospitals to catch up, uh, and for us to get a handle on testing and tracing and implement some some at least statewide mandates, uh, if not national mandates, to address this virus and and, uh, and address some way to approach it. In in some, in some manners that have worked in other countries, because, you know, we're not the only ones that have the damn coronavirus. A lot of people have it and they've done a much better job with it uh, than we have. And, but we've done nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's definitely, I mean, it's incompetence as we've been saying here for weeks now, it's incompetence at a national level and to a lesser extent, but still there at a state level but here's the thing that I think we're that, that is really missing, and that is that people are not and, and, I, and i blame I really blame President Trump for this, as I blame him for a lot of stuff, admittedly, but I think the, I think he really does deserve blame for this. He has I think he has made it acceptable to go back to something you talked about earlier or alluded to earlier. He has made it acceptable for people to create their own realities mm-hmm. because yes. that's what he's been doing for four, for the past mm-hmm. four years. He's done nothing but, but challenge reality as we know it. It started with yes. the birther bull crap, and it's continued now with this pandemic and, and, and now with the election, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's all about, you know, trying to bend reality to his will and so that's why you have a lot of people walking around here wearing masks on their chin and really playing with death, uh-huh. playing with death. And what yep. we ought to be doing is, and this is my final point, Josh, what we ought to be doing is we ought to be looking at this situation at the national level and at the state level and saying, it's time for a new paradigm. We need a new paradigm. Yeah, I,
2: I, I agree. Uh, with almost all of that. And I'm going to tell you the one place that I disagree, uh, okay. and, and it's only slightly, and, okay. and it's going to be a shocking thing that I say I'm going to sort of, sort of uh, defend Donald Trump for a second.
0: Nope. Whoa, uh, whoa. Wait I, a know. Minute. I know, I know. I didn't, know. Do, but I didn't it's get not. my heart medicine. Wait a minute. I know.
2: <laughs> That's enough. Slow down, slow down. Uh, and, and here's where I'm going to defend him. Uh, only uh, in the instance of speaking specifically about this virus's impact in Alabama. Uh, There is a lot that we can certainly blame Donald Trump for. There is no doubt about that. And a lot, everything that you mentioned right there, I believe that we can we can lay a lot of that blame at Donald Trump's feet for creating this environment where people live inside their own little bubbles uh, and and believe that whatever dumbass opinions they have, they're, they're entitled to them, and they hold as much weight as actual scientific fact. All right? right. I right. 100% believe that. Where I, can, where I don't give, Don, where I don't blame Donald Trump is for this, is for the... Uh, The damage, the total damage that the virus has wreaked on Alabama and Alabama residents and Alabama students, especially because where I lay that blame is on decades of poor governance that led to this, where all of a sudden everybody realized, oh, hey, hell, nobody in the black belt has Internet. Uh, You know, nobody, nobody has broadband Internet or sewers that work or, you know. Uh, just look at the totality of the destruction in this state here based on this virus. Uh, and that didn't come because of Donald Trump's mismanagement. Donald Trump's mismanagement certainly helped it, but the totality of that came because we have been governed by, with this uh, you know, sort of recessive, conservative governance here for so long that we, you know our hospitals are shutting down. We don't have a you know a quality healthcare system here. Uh, we don't have a quality social network here that that can you know lift people up and hold them there. You know our first goal is always to figure out how to make the damn money. You know which is was Ivy over the last few you know weeks now with her this nonsense about how she's not going to shut anything down because you got yeah you can't have a life without a livelihood. Well you know you can uh, you can't have a life without life. Uh, But, you know, uh, that to me is where we should focus in this state is our our anger should be on what has taken place here and the, the stupid ideas that have been pitched to us and sold to the common working people of this state for generations now. And what an awful state it has left us in when the first pandemic came along. That was mismanaged, we couldn't handle it, and our people died
0: well, I think I, you know what I'm not going to disagree with you, I think you're right uh, about the the unfortunate acculturation over generations of our people in this state because mm-hmm. there's absolutely I, I think you're one hundred percent right about this this part, especially there is absolutely no reason at all that that communities and that the leaders of communities and elected officials in our state should be comfortable with the idea that there are still people you know in Uniontown Alabama for example mm-hmm. who uh have inadequate sewer uh you know systems uh right. you know to the degree that people are developing have developed over over the years health problems directly related to that. You know mm-hmm. um and, and we can go on and on with some of the, the woes of the black belt. But what yeah. we have here, you're right, we have a culture that has that has uh defined for many people in our state uh accepting what is less than really human. Mm-hmm. Really human. And we've got leaders, and it hasn't just been Republicans, Josh. It's been a lot oh, of no. damn Democrats as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm a Democrat, but doggone it, there have been a lot of damn Democrats who have done the same thing. They have, they have pimped people and, and they have, have, have paid lip service to people, but they have not tried to create systemic, sustainable change in some of these hardest hit areas of our state and it's in mm-hmm. it and they, and and I'm telling you, as Curtis Mayfield once said, if there's a hell below those, those leaders are going to go. Yeah. They're going to yeah, go. Well, if there's a hell to go to, they're going to be there.
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I, I do not disagree with any of that. You know, I I'll say too that, uh, you know, I lay a lot of blame uh, for this, um, you know, not necessarily. You know, and I, I do lay a lot of blame for at, at the Republicans' feet, uh, but but more so at the voters' uh, feet. Uh, you know, you you've seen this going on for a long time now. You've seen what shape we're in, and and you've been fooled time and time again by these same people. Um, you know, and and, and I and I'll say another thing about it too is you know when you when we're talking about like the school situation, uh, and we're talking about our governance in this state, I mean. Look at what's happened here. They have mismanaged everything about this. I mean, that we act like we don't know any more about this virus now than we did back in March and April. Well, we yeah. certainly know more. We certainly yeah. know that, that young kids uh, do not... Uh, are not as susceptible to the virus and do not tra- apparently do not transmit the virus as much as older kids do. Right. And so, a lot of places, a lot of countries out there have taken to opening elementary schools, uh, you know, and letting them be open while you you focus more of those virtual resources on the kid on the older kids to do that. We've done none of that we we yeah. haven't had a plan that altered anything even at the at the district levels we haven't done anything and and that you know that sort of leadership comes from the top and that's where yeah. a lot of our people just bailed the hell out on this thing uh you know and I, I just don't understand how we can continue down this path of complete ineptness and people continue to vote for that i just don't i, I can't wrap my head around it.
0: Well, people, I think, you know, I I have sympathy for the average Alabamian, at least to this degree. I think that when people are over generations, when they are acculturated and conditioned to think a certain way and to have a certain set of expectations, it's hard to change that. And mm-hmm. so I think fundamentally that's what we're that's the fundamental problem that we're dealing with in terms of the level of tolerance that that Alabamians generally speaking not all of us obviously but generally speaking we seem to have with regards to being at the lowest end of all socioeconomic indicators nationally we're always at the lowest end we always seem to have uh you know the most hor- horrific stories You know, and, and it just, and again, I think people have just been conditioned to think it's not unlike, I mean, Josh, to be brutally honest, it's not unlike what we see a lot of times in, in what we call low income communities or, or communities where there's public housing, you know, it, it, it becomes generational, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you break the cycle, unless somebody breaks the cycle, unless some outside entity comes in and intervenes, unless some inside person or group, you know, breaks the cycle, then it just, you know, it 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 becomes generational. And I think that's what we suffer with in our state. Uh yeah, but I, but, I mean, but, I... but the onus, if I can just say this, Josh, real quickly, the onus though is on the leadership. The leaders are supposed to be better, do better, and have hopefully have had the the resources and the exposure to offer some solutions. And what really pisses me off is that a lot of these leaders just decide, yeah, the status quo is okay. It's okay. As long as I'm getting mine, as long as I'm being reelected, it's okay.
2: Yeah, I, I don't disagree. However, I will say one argument against uh, some of that is, well, I guess two arguments, uh, is Mo Brooks and in, uh, in Mike Hubbard. Um, and you know we will we're we'll to slide out, but you know we can get to him in the when in the closing segment. But you know Mo Brooks, you know when when you have that sort of ignorance uh, continually. And he continues to win, not just win over Democrats, but win over, uh, other qualified sane Republicans as he did, uh, this past year. Uh, and all, you know, and the way that Mike Hubbard's corruption was, was okayed. And, uh, you know, basically people have fought for him, uh, blatantly and out in the open, uh, and received no retribution from voters. You know, I, I think those things indicate a true, true problem uh there that I you know, I don't really know how you overcome, but uh, you know, it's 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 very discouraging, I tell you.
0: Yeah, I think we're saying basically the same thing because I'm saying the reason these guys are voted in time and time again is because of the way people have been uh conditioned, uh in terms of expectations. And then you also have a class of people who ought to know better, who are part of the voting populace, who ought to know better and do know better. But they have also decided that it's okay for people to be, you know, in a certain state and condition, as long as it's not them, you know, (laughs) as long as they're getting the advantages and the opportunities that they need to hell with everybody else. Yeah,
2: I think you're, I think you may be right about that, but all right, I tell you what. Let's let's slide out. We'll uh, we'll get uh, John Merrill in here. Uh, see what sort of crazy nonsense he has to say, um, and you know, maybe maybe we can get some answers to to why he why he behaves the way he does on social media. Uh, I suspect we're gonna be disappointed at the end of that conversation, though. Um, yeah, my my
0: expectations are low. so good
2: show thanks for tuning in Uh, but Uh, but, uh, look we'll slide out Well, we'll be back in a minute Alabama Politics This Week welcome back in Alabama Politics This Week we are uh, joined now by Secretary of State John Merrill yeah you heard that right Secretary of <laughs> State John Merrill. He really, he really is here. Uh, <laughs> Secretary of State, we really do appreciate you, you stopping by the, you know, I guess what, what, what would be considered a hostile territory a little bit for you here. But uh, we, we, we do appreciate the time. Well, Josh, I know
1: you know this. You've heard me say it a thousand times, but of course I come on the air because I work for you. And I work for all 4.8 million people in the state. I just need an invitation, so I'm delighted
2: to be with you. Well, and, and I also know, and I'm sorry, if, if, let me introduce you. If you if you don't know David, uh, this is David Person, a longtime journalist. You should know him. Uh, he's been around a while, done a lot of great, great work, and uh, the co-host of this program, uh, probably being one of uh, things he'll put at the bottom of the resume. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we uh, I, I guess what we wanted to get into first, uh, I, you, you have probably had some expectation. Uh, it's been a I don't know if you would define them as a rough couple of weeks. It seems like it was a rough couple of weeks for you uh, with with the things that have gone on on social media. Uh, I think you encouraged one gentleman to have a sex change. Uh, you, you said some other things to people uh, that I think were were taken you know, were taken and probably were really, really offensive to a lot of people. Uh, I guess, how would you classify what's taking place and where do you think uh, things are now?
1: Well, Josh, I tell you the thing so amusing to me is how there's an expectation that when someone wants to be rude or wants to attempt to irritate you or wants to attempt to call you out or call you down. And then if you respond to it in any way other than saying, here, let me pat you on the head and tell you how much I enjoy taking a beating. Let me take another. Then if you do anything other than that, it's not acceptable. And you end up being the bad guy. And look, I've known you long enough to know that if you really have something that concerns you, you reach Mm -hmm. out to me and you say, Hey tell me what you meant about this what What is this all about now I'm not saying that you're beyond reaching out and sticking a barb every once in a while, trying to get a reaction from someone because that's part of who you are and you're you're just who you are. people understand that, but i have had numerous conversations with you that I know that what you really want is the truth you really want to find out what's at the bottom of the story. You really want to know what you need to share with the people that you're writing for or the people you're communicating with verbally whenever you're on a video production. And I respect you for that. And the thing about engaging with some of these individuals that I've engaged with, did I take the best course of action? Probably not. But when you've been through some of the things that I had been through, You reach a point where you don't always respond as the best you. And that's what I did a couple of times. Uh, The thing about the guy when you said I encouraged him to have a sex change, 90% of the people that had been jumping on me, that had been attacking me on social media, were liberal white women. And this guy from his presentation on social media was a liberal white guy. And so I said something to him and then finished by saying, look, you might as well just go ahead and have a sex change while you're at it. And obviously that hurt his feelings. And so he called someone at AL.com and cried and talked about how it had hurt his feelings. When I was just saying that would have been the norm if he were following suit with the other people that had been attacking me. And that's what I meant by that. That's what I explained to Mike Casey when I was talking to him. Uh your former mm-hmm. colleague at a l dot com and just trying to help him understand the the reason that I said it that way
0: all right so let me let me ask you uh secretary uh and 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 thank you for joining us and it's i don't I don't know that we've interacted before, so good to good to connect with you today uh Very my pleasure do you think it is unreasonable for people? Uh, and I'm not talking about the people that you're necessarily uh, engaging in some level of debate with, but I'm talking about the rest of us who are watching, Alabama voters. Do not do you think it is unreasonable that we would have the expectation of a certain level of deportment from an elected official that would not include, uh, you know, saying things that are uh rude saying things that or could be construed as rude, saying things that could be construed as offensive or racist, uh as in the case of uh something that you said about war on whites, and we'll get into that more in a minute but i mean don't you don't you think it is reasonable for the rest of us watching to have the expectation that our elected official, whether we voted for you or not, would just have a certain level of deportment?
1: Sure. Let me ask you a question.
0: All right. Okay. Do you
1: think that it's reasonable for any individual to expect that when someone attempts to engage them in a dialogue, social media, or the way that you and I are talking now, or in a telephone communication, or in any way whatsoever, do you think it's reasonable that there should be a level of expectation that if somebody really wants to answer to a particular question, a specific question about a particular topic, that there's a way to ask that question that would require the individual to respond in a reasonable way.
0: I would answer you by saying, I think it is certainly reasonable for you as an elected official to go into an exchange.
1: Yes, sir. I didn't say an elected official. I said for anyone.
0: Okay. Okay, well, what I'm suggesting though, see the premise of my point is that there's a higher standard for you than for anyone. So, so if I we don't... Be, if
1: I should be better than everyone and anybody that wants to come up and knock me in the head, I'll just be prepared to take it because I'm an elected official. Is that your well, expectation?
0: My expectation is that as an elected official, as a public servant, that you would have a level of deportment that would be different than, uh, you know, the average person. So yes, I have, a I have the expectation and not, and not just because you're a Republican who might be saying in some other context, what would Jesus do? Even though I think quite frankly, that is the standard that many of us who are Christians would ultimately apply. We'd say, what would Jesus do? But let's just take Jesus out of it for a second.
1: Well, let me tell you what Jesus would not do. He wouldn't respond the way that I did to those individuals that attempted to engage me. But I will tell you this.
0: Okay, I'm glad you conceded that. Thank you for conceding that. That's, no, that's, that's, that's I a appreciate fact. That. There's
1: no concession yes. there. That's a fact. Okay. You know, I'm a practicing Christian, and mm-hmm. I've been a Christian since I was six years old. So I, I, it's, it's my expectation that I try to live a life that would be pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. But I can also tell you that whenever the Lord saw things that disturbed or concerned him, that he gave it attention. Just like when he was in the temple and he saw the gambling going on and the trading going on Mm -hmm. and he went in and overturned the tables. He didn't just step back and just take it and just go to the priest and say, guys, we need to do something about this. He did something about it
0: himself. And and I and I and I'm glad you raised that, because I think that is an essential point that has to be uh, deconstructed and really and really and really discussed thoroughly when Jesus did that, Jesus was not the target. Jesus was in fact the person who was standing up on behalf of the disenfranchised people. Jesus wasn't the one who was being attacked. Jesus was the one saying, what you people are doing, meaning you people, meaning the priest and those leaders of the synagogue, what you are doing is exploiting these people. So Jesus's rage was a righteous indignation in defense of the defenseless. I see a big difference between what Jesus did and the reason why he did it, and, and not to single you out, because I think there are a lot of politicians who, especially in this age of social media, uh, Secretary, do the same thing. And I'm just saying, I don't care if you're a Democrat, I don't care if you're a Republican, I don't care... You know, if you're liberal or conservative or whatever you are, there's a higher standard.
1: OK, so you've already made it clear that your expectation of me is if someone wants to knock me in the head, then I ought to just take it because I'm an elected official and should not respond in any way other than to say, thank you, sir. May I have another?
0: No, no, I didn't say that. That's your that's your verbiage. What I'm saying is deportment.
1: What you're saying. I'm saying deportment. Pressure- is that I ought to respond in a higher way?
0: Yeah, deportment. Take
1: and yeah. I, I could either say thank you, sir, may I have another, or I could just say thank you, sir, and turn and walk away.
0: You could do that.
1: This is, yeah yeah I could, and I elected not to. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this, uh, I, and and this is really important for y'all to know. I've been in this job for five years and ten months and fourteen days today, and in the period of time that I've been here. There have been a few situations that have arisen revolving around social media engagement. As best I can think, probably three or four, the most recent one being the one that occurred a couple of weeks ago that has passed us by as things usually do. But I can tell you this, without exception, what happened in the social media engagement that occurred within the last two weeks resulted in more calls of support, more emails, more messages on social media, more personal interaction with individuals saying, we just want you to know, we appreciate you, we support you, we're behind you. If you added all the ones up that have ever come before and compared them to what I've recently experienced in the last couple of weeks, they don't even come close to adding up to the total number that I've had recently. Now, let's move past that and let me share something else with you. You said to me that you believe that I should respond in a different way. And I've attempted to do that. And one of the things that I've elected to do when I've had people that have engaged uh, in that exchange with me, since this process began and since it became some level of uh, a media engagement is whenever I would have people. And and I think before since you don't really know me, Josh mm-hmm. does. But we could ask him to validate what I'm fixing to tell you. There mm-hmm. is no more accessible. There is no more accessible. There is no more available. There is no more engaging elected official in the state of Alabama than the one you're talking to right now. And I don't say that bragging about me. Mm-hmm. But I put my cell phone number on my business card. I give it out when I'm doing interviews on TV, radio, and print media. It does not matter. I don't mind sharing. 334-328-2787. Anyone that wants to call me can call me. The people that we see engaging with me primarily on social media are victims of keyboard courage. Those individuals will say things through social media exchanges they would never say to your face. As they would walk up to you on the Capitol grounds, at the mall, at Chick-fil-A, anywhere, because there's a number of reasons that they wouldn't do it, but they don't mind doing it on social media. So there's a couple of ways I've elected to respond since this process. Ended the last time, because some people have still attempted to engage. me. One of the things that I have shared with them is a scripture verse. And I just responded to them. I told them that Jesus loves them. I told them that I know that the Lord has plans for them and I hope that they will do well in that engagement. In some instances, I didn't get a response, even though they had cursed me out, even though they would sent me uh, expletives, um, ad nauseum, even though they who did not wish the same for my family. I sent that to them. On quite a few others, I've just elected to do something that it's been a long, long time since I've done, which if it came on Facebook or if it came on Twitter and it was not positive, it was not asking a serious question, wanting a serious response, I just blocked you. Because I have no interest in engaging you. There's no benefit that can come from it. Uh, There is no reason to attempt to have an exchange. And so those people, I'm sure, are still out there talking and they're still irritated and they're still having some level of concern. But the, the thing that has really bothered me the most about engaging on social media is all of these people who will say, you are violating my First Amendment rights when you block me. No, I'm not because I don't control the platform. I only control my part of the platform. And what I'm doing is ensuring that you don't get to say what you want to say on my social media right. platform.
0: Right. And actually I agree 100% with that and Josh, I'm sorry. I I'm, I'm going to shut up after just saying I want to affirm I want to affirm what the secretary just said. I I love I love that idea. I I fully as a voter uh, as a citizen of this state, I fully endorse you saying you can say whatever you want on your page, but you can't say whatever you want on mine. I fully endorse that.
1: That's right, because you wouldn't let them do it at your
2: house.
0: That's sure, you're right. I'm, I'm going to have to. Uh, yeah.
2: I'm going to have to introduce you at some point to the uh, to the mute bu- uh, button and the uh, block and the uh, functions that. The, that you, you, you heard me say it's been a long time since I yeah. blocked
1: people because. I was muting folks. I was muting them, and there's some of your good friends I've muted, but but, but I, I have not elected to engage with them, but then uh-huh. I just decided, why not? Because they don't wish me well, they're not interested yeah. in my well-being, and they don't have anything constructive to say, and they're not interested in having a dialogue, they're just interested in using their their voice on my platform.
2: Well, I, you know, I, I think um, I, I understand some of the frustration. I, I you know, I, I don't think you help yourself uh, with 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 some of that. But I'll tell you what I'll tell you what bothers me more more than that. Uh, is because I do know you, I do know you, and I've had conversations with you, and I believe that you legitimately want to do a good job as Secretary of State, and I believe in a lot of cases here, and matter of fact, I have publicly praised you, (laughs) to to the detriment of myself and to the anger of many of my friends, uh, for doing a good job in a lot of cases, and not going as far as other Republican Secretaries of State have done in other states, Um, but I'll tell you what has bothered me more so than, than even the interactions on social media. And that is uh, over the course of the last few, and I wrote a couple of these down uh, was the one you you did an interview uh, on uh, some radio show in which you participated in this idea of election fraud uh, in the case of Joe Biden in Michigan with a hundred thousand votes being changed when that has long been debunked and and we know better than there was things. And, and also Casting some doubt on the certificate, the length of the certification process in other states when Alabama itself had not certified the election results. And and also in changing some election laws or regulations in, in light of the pandemic in other states when we had done the same thing in this state. No. So I, I, those things. No, we didn't, we, we didn't change. Them we did. We, See, did, change them. What we, we did. did. change we
1: did change. No, Josh, this is what we did. We, we changed the rules. Different. The states that have had a problem in the states that I've spoken up about, that I'm concerned about the authenticity of their votes, and it you don't have to rely on my word. All you have to do is look and see what has actually happened there. But in the states where there were changes made to the administration of the election laws, either through mm-hmm. um, directives or executive orders from the governor, or if you had some other type of change that occurred Mm -hmm. through anything introduced by the secretary, anything other than the legislature. If -hmm. those things occurred, then you saw major problems that were introduced in those states, some of which have still not been reconciled. Now, the change that we made was not a change of the law. It was invoking the law. Title 17-11-3, which gives me the authority as Secretary of State to modify the process to enable people to continue to vote absentee by mail or in person and recognizing a reason for those people to be able to do so. Not changing the law. We didn't change the law. You still had to provide the excuse. We just Mm -hmm. designated an excuse for you to use. And that's not... uh, that didn't and now
2: I believe the governor. I believe the governor also changed the laws what uh, did she to do? allow for the early counting of the of the ballots. No,
1: what we did that has to start on election day, and it's still mm-hmm. on election day. But instead of starting at noon, mm-hmm. we asked her if she would allow it to begin at seven a.m. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that was more reasonable. Another mm-hmm. thing that we did was to add tabulators. To mm-hmm. add additional workers for mm-hmm. the housing process, so there would not be a delay.
2: And in all of those states that we're talking about, those people there also asked their legislature to be able to do to make those changes, and those legislatures denied that.
1: That's not the case. Yeah. And let, let me tell you why it's not the case. Because in mm-hmm. some states, this is probably going to be hard for you to believe, Josh.
2: But in some <laughs> states,
1: we no. don't. The secretaries have different levels of power. Uh huh. And so, uh-huh. as an example, in Georgia, uh-huh. Brad Raffensperger, who is my uh-huh. friend, who's the secretary over there.
2: Oh, uh, wait a minute. The, the quote unquote Republican, according to Trump. I'm sorry. That's your friend. Ooh.
1: Brad, <laughs> Brad Raffensperger is my friend. OK, he's been my friend since we first met, which was in July uh, of 2018. You just lost 10 points. You just lost 10 points. <laughs> so when what Brad can do. And and Brian uh-huh. did this before him when he was a the secretary. They can mm-hmm. change election days without giving uh, getting approval or authorization mm-hmm. at all from any individual. They can do it. They have the power to do it. He also has the power to send ballots out like they did mm-hmm. to everybody. Things like that can take place in certain states without the secretary asking for approval from anyone. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for him and for a few other secretaries that engaged in that behavior, they didn't even seek guidance or counsel from anyone, which has resulted in significant problems for them, which they're still going to be paying the price for long after this election is over. Well, In
2: in Pennsylvania, for example, they requested to be able to start counting those mail-in ballots prior to election day and was denied. And they also asked for... Extra tabulators. They also asked for a number of different things that were also denied. That, that's what I was talking about.
1: And what uh, Kathy also did there, Kathy Botvar is their secretary. And she's a friend of mine, too.
2: And she's she's a Democrat, and she's uh, appointed. So that's five more points right there. That's uh, you're, you're losing points left <laughs> and right here. She's actually appointed by the government. But Kathy
1: asked for an extension for the absentee ballots to be returned after the deadline that was established according to state law. That's not a good thing. The other thing that they did, Josh, was they actually lost custody of the absentee ballot envelopes that had those ballots returned in there. So once they came in and they were counted, they were commingled with other ballots. So you had absolutely no way to determine which ballots came through the absentee process legitimately and which ones came through illegitimately. That's a problem. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I think the president is having a difficult time trying to prove anything related to fraud that could have occurred in Pennsylvania because they don't have the chain of custody of the envelopes. And once they're
2: co-mingled, you can't tell the difference uh i mean i'm, I'm going to say that i think he's having a problem proving there was little fraud because there was little fraud <laughs> that's a, i mean it seems to be playing out uh, all over the place here uh is that uh in, ty- in case after case after case there's little fraud now i mean th- and let's be honest let's be honest there is typically very little fraud in in any election is that not correct well all i
1: know is this and this is what i continue to speak to we've had this conversation before several times since I've been the secretary, we've had 1700 instances that have been reported to us through our website, stopvoterfraudnow.com, where people have asked us to evaluate what has occurred related to fraudulent activities that they've observed or has been reported to them. And in that same period of time, we've had six convictions on voter fraud and we've had three elections that have been overturned. So if you say yes, I mean, we've had multiple elections over a long period of time, but we've only had six convictions on voter fraud. Well, you know this, Josh, before I became secretary, it had been more than a decade since anybody had been convicted on voter fraud. But Mm -hmm. we've, we've been successful in prosecuting those. Now, I'll also tell you this. I know of other instances that I felt like were actually stronger than the ones that we got convictions on that the D.A., Or the AG wouldn't even take to the grand jury. I I don't know why, but that's their choice, and I'm not a prosecutor. Uh,
2: Of the ones that were prosecuted, what were they?
1: Well, they were absentee voter fraud. In every instance except one, and it was an in-person voting fraud situation. We tried to change that, and that's why this election, I felt like going into the 20 cycle would be the most transparent absentee process in the history of the state, because my friend and your friend, Senator Roger Smithman, who is a liberal Democrat, one of the most liberal Democrats in the Alabama legislature, carried a bill for me, not just one year when we passed it in 19, but three years in a row until we finally got it passed to tighten absentee voting laws. And that's what we were able to do. And that's why that, another reason why we've had such a successful administration of the election process.
2: I mean, it, yeah, that was, you know, that, that basically just extended the voter ID to to absentee ballots, right? I mean, the voter ID law.
1: That was one of the things. Another thing was removing the list of all the people, including Josh Moon, who may have applied for an absentee ballot. So your name, your address, your birthday, your phone number would not be posted outside the circuit clerk's office for the Lord God Almighty and everybody else to see and gain access to and contact you if they chose to. Also, enabling any voter that chooses to to return their absentee ballot through a process other than in person or through the U.S. Postal Service. You can use another carrier if you choose to, as long as it's certified carrier. So those were the three major changes. All
2: right, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll shut up here and, and let David uh, take, take the last couple. But I, I all I wanted to, the, my last thing, uh, was this? I I do know you, um, and and I. It bothers me when when you get into these things on social media, uh, and and when you go on radio shows and participate in this complete and utter fantasy world stuff. Uh, I mean, it, 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 some of the I, I, things I remember what you're talking about, but the one that you
1: uh, introduced. That that concerned me because, you know, me and, you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. ever introduce anything that is misleading, intentionally misleading or trying to create a false narrative about what's ongoing. I would never do that because once you do it that, it seems
2: like that's what you've been doing here lately. And, and you know, I'm, I'm telling you, no, you there's, there's a lot of people be, that believe it.
1: There was a question. I don't even remember which show it was on where that occurred. But I do remember that conversation about that, and I had a concern about what was introduced related to that. But I had major concerns about the things that I mentioned to you before. And that's why I stressed to the White House, I stress to Republican Council, if y'all want to try to change the results of some of these elections, you need to go to those states where secretaries used administrative rules, directives, or the governors issued executive orders, and they changed election laws without going through the legislative process. That's the thing that I've
0: stressed the most well, before we get out of here and and this has been it's been really interesting to hear you and Josh uh discuss the nuances of uh, the voting process, and just to really get a sense of your your frame of mind, uh uh secretary, I'm really intrigued with this idea that you publicly subscribed to the idea. That there is a quote war on whites, unquote. Can you explain? Well, you
1: know, I, I never said that, Dave.
0: Oh, okay. Well, well, clarify for me then. Clarify for
1: clarify me. Clarify that for you. Now, this is the thing you need to know. The that I retweeted without comment, mm-hmm. there were probably five of them, at least four, probably five, that went out with that same video. One of those, of the five, Which have all been retracted by me. I undelete, I unretweeted them, I unliked them all. One of those said something about there being a war on whites and about Black Lives Matter. Okay. That was one of the five. And that's the one that everybody paid attention to. And that's the one that everybody started attacking on. Now, I I will say this because I think it's important for you to hear me say this. I actually had somebody interview me last week, and one of the questions they asked, Do you believe black lives matter? Now, this is what I want you to hear me say. Okay. All lives matter. And then I asked this individual this question, and you've already made this clear to me where you stand. Are you a Christian? And she said, yes, I am. And I know you are because of what you've already told me about your knowledge of the Bible and scripture. But But this is what I said to her. If you're a Christian, That means that you believe that Jesus Christ is the living Son of the living God who was born of a virgin, who lived on this earth for 33 and a third years, who was crucified on a cruel cross, who was placed in the ground, stayed there for three days, and then arose again, and then 40 days later ascended to be with His Father in heaven, and one day is coming to receive us to Himself. That's what you believe if you're a Christian. She said, yes, that's what I believe. I said, then if you believe that, then you believe what the Lord taught and teaches in the Scripture. About all lives, and that no life, no individual's life, no group of people's lives, no body, is higher than any other person in any walk of life. We are all equal in his sight. as a matter of fact, there was a little song we all learned when we were children, not even sure they teach it anymore. This says, "Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, that's where we are. And I don't think that it's appropriate and I don't think it's necessary to try to elevate one individual or one group of people, one race over another. And anybody that does that is not living by the word.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because that's actually the definition of America for over, for all of its existence and even this country or, or what pre, what was the precursor to America on these very lands? It was all about the elevation of one race over, over several others. So I'm glad to hear you say that. So that means you also denounce white nationalism, white supremacy, and white privilege. I'm glad to hear you say that. Anybody now, so trying to so,
1: elevate any group of people yes. is wrong.
0: Is wrong. Well, then, so, and that is, and again, that is, That is the history and culture of this nation. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Now, saying that Black Lives Matter is not an elevation of Black lives over any others. It's, in fact, a statement that is saying, when you juxtapose the history of America and current activities in America as it relates to the disproportionate number of Black people who have been killed Unarmed by law enforcement and by vigilante civilians, that there appears to be a train of thought in America that says that black lives do not matter relative to everybody else. So when we say black lives, who's saying that? The very, the very actions of this nation, the very actions of, of police officers who shoot black men in the back when they're running away from them. The very idea that vigilantes are killing black people uh without without any lawful uh context. And you, you think is, is there's
1: more of that going on today than there ever has been in the history of the Republic? Is that what you're saying?
0: No, no, no. What I'm saying is that the fact that it happens today that it happens today in the context in which we live, meaning we're supposed to be In an era where there is by governments and by elected officials an acknowledgement of the of just what we talked about earlier that we both agreed to, which is that all lives are of the same value. There appears to be there appears to be a strain of thought and a segment of the population who does not agree with us who thinks that black lives are more disposable or less valuable well, than others. I, and
1: per capita, there's just as many black folk that feel that way as there are white folk that feel that way per capita.
0: That feel that feel what way, sir? I'm sorry. That feel that, what
1: way. that have the same racial tendencies, the same idea of privilege in that narrative. I, I think that there is because I, as many I mean, you know, this just in watching the movement of Black Lives Matter. There's just as many white folks that are out protesting that are a part of that as there are African Americans or black folk. They're, they're all walking together. They're all with that same narrative about Black Lives Matter. Right.
0: Right. Well I Right. Well I yeah, I didn't suggest that this was a thought process that was unique to black people. You're exactly right. There are a whole lot of white people, but I'm saying there is who who agree with that, with the idea that black lives have the same value as everybody else. What I'm suggesting to you is that there, and, and I think I said this, but I'll say it again, there is a strain of thought. There is a segment of the population who does not subscribe to that, and they are consequently creating problems for the rest of us those of us who believe as you and I believe that all lives are valuable equally by some of their actions. And so when we say black lives matter what we are saying that is a shorthand for saying that when you juxtapose what has been happening historically in our country and what is still happening in our country uh you know not everybody obviously is guilty of this but a significant number of people are to such a degree that the, the lives of black people are not being valued in the same way that the lives of other are, others are. And so this is a shorthand way of saying that as opposed to saying, you know, a long, you know. Uh, you well, know, I'm afraid
1: it, to tell you this, but I think there's a number of people across the nation who co-opted what your intent was, if that's your intent personally. And they've changed the narrative and they have tried to make it be something other than that intent, which is that, Black lives are superior, and if you can't agree that black lives are superior, then you have no place in the conversation. That's a I, can I
2: end it? can I can I get in for just a second? Uh, because I think well, if you'll let me finish this talk, you can. Okay, go ahead. You know, <laughs> but Dave,
1: what I hope that you will do with me is that you'll join me in trying to promote the narrative that we believe, as brothers in Christ, that all lives are equal and and should be valued equally. And when we see that that's not the case, we need to identify that. We need to call it out and we need to work together to rectify it. It does not mean that we need to be prosecutorial in nature to people that we disagree with politically or socially about something. If we believe that what we need to do is to help people reach a common ground of moving our country forward.
2: I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that uh, because uh, you know. First of all, I think that you have created a, a bit of a false equivalency here between uh, the the very few people and that have co opted uh, some portion of the Black Lives Matter movement to these other people that have always pitched white nationalism and some other things. However, if we truly want to uh, look at an example of some of the things that what David is talking about throughout the history of this country and things that have gone on, where we could start. Uh, that would be specific to your office and what you do, and not necessarily you now, don't, don't, don't take this out of context because you didn't do this, but uh, it, it relies on the voter ID laws. We know uh, from uh, all sorts of court cases across this country, uh, particularly in North Carolina, where the architect of that law, who was also the architect of our law, of our voter ID law, we found very clear evidence That it was surgically targeted, according to federal uh, judges in that state, surgically targeted towards black people and preventing uh, African-Americans voting uh, or or turnout there because of what it did. And it was the same way in this state as well. Uh, I have commended, I have commended, I have commended your office for what you've done uh, to overcome a lot of the obstacles that were put in place in other states. Uh, However... I know, too, that you have stopped well short of saying that that law was unnecessary and unneeded because it was both of those things.
1: Josh, this is what I know. I know that since January the 19th, 2015, our office has registered 1,765,285 new voters. I know that we have a state record 3,721,752 registered voters. I know Mm -hmm. that 96% of all eligible African Americans in this state are registered to vote. I know Mm -hmm. that 91% of all white folks are registered to vote and 94% of all eligible voters are registered to vote. And
2: I know no state in the country- Congratulations on all that. Congratulations, you've done a great job with that. However, the law was still racist and it was
1: still unneeded. Let let me tell you what else I know. I know that since that law has been in effect, There has never been a person who has gone to vote and been denied the opportunity to cast their ballot for the candidate of their choice because they didn't have a photo ID. And I'll tell you this, too. What you need to know is that we have broken every record in the history of the state for voter participation in seven consecutive elections. Now, Josh, let me say this to you, Mm friend: If you can find another state in the union that can compare to what we've done in enabling all eligible individuals who wish to become registered voters in their state mm-hmm. to produce numbers that compare to ours, you'll mm-hmm. never hear from me. Oh, right. Right. I can
2: tell you I can tell you a bunch of them. I can tell you a bunch of them.
0: Let me let a me uh, let me jump in here before we run out of time, because uh, I think that um, uh, what I in in getting to know you in this conversation, I believe you to be a reasonable person and And a responsible person and i and I do, and I will say that uh, you know while uh we disagree politically and ideologically, I believe that you are a very competent man, and I, and I appreciate competency, no matter what party it comes from, and and you seem to have integrity. It seemed to me that you have integrity based on what I can tell, but but I am concerned about one thing. And that is what Josh just brought up and 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 let me let me frame it for you this way, secretary. and I'm going to try to say this um, as respectfully as I can, but I need to be direct with you about this. Um, Josh said to you specifically that while he lauds your many accomplishments and achievements in terms of maximizing the potential. Uh, the voting potential of the Alabama populace, and and I share Josh's point of view on that. Those statistics that you shared, uh, you know, those are very. You have a lot to be proud of there, and 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 not only you, but it. it you know, it's it's commendable, especially in this day and time, uh, with what we've been seeing nationwide. But I also, I got to be direct with you, sir. <laughs> You're deflecting on the key point that Josh was making, which is that when you juxtapose your record with the past, there is a gaping hole as it relates to intent and motive. And you're not addressing what Josh is saying. You're just talking about your achievements. You're not talking about, you're not addressing Josh's concerns about the past.
1: Hey, let, let, let me explain something to you, pardon, Okay. Let me explain something to you. And, 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 and don't be offended by this, because I did the same thing to several members of Congress in the three times I've testified before them in the last 18 months. I was invited to do it four times. I was only able to go three. But every time I start talking about our work, and what we've done, some members of Congress from other parts of the nation always want to jump on me and talk about, well, in the 1940s, in the 1950s, in the 1960s, Alabama was doing it. Dave, let let me explain something to you. I wasn't even born then, pardon. I can't do anything about what they did then.
0: But that's not what Josh was talking about. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the 1990s. He was talking about the 1990s.
1: I can do something about what we've done in the last Mm -hmm. five years, 10 months and 14 days. I've been a secretary and I have. I broke. I have helped lead a team that has broken every record in the history of the state for voter registration and voter participation. Now, that's what I've done.
0: Why? What? Here, here's what I. Here's what I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand, Secretary. Uh, it's it call seems- me
1: John, Dave. You need to call me John. Don't be call me Secretary? You call me John.
0: All right, John. This is this is what I don't understand. It, it seems as though when we want to talk about history, we talk about history. But when it's politically inconvenient, we don't talk about history. It is it is absolutely relevant to juxtapose what you've accomplished. In fact, it makes you look better to juxtapose what you've accomplished with what was not accomplished and was not addressed prior to you. And I think it would.
1: Uh, it would. It would. I mean, and, and but th- this is the, the thing that you have to understand. We didn't do it because it hadn't been done before. We did it because it's the right thing to do. Exactly. When we visit every county every year, promote voter registration, photo ID, we don't do it. But for one reason, because we want to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat.
0: Well, and I'm gonna and I say this, and this and then I'm gonna let Josh close, I'm gonna let Josh close it out. I can tell you're gonna be around Alabama politics for a long time, so we're gonna probably have a few more conversations, you and me, John. He's not.
2: He's not because he tries to be competent, so he's not. They're gonna shuffle him out of here in a hurry.
0: (laughs) He's gonna be. I can tell he's gonna be around for a while. So it's been Uh, nice getting. It's been nice interacting with you again. We don't agree on much, but I. But I really. (laughs) I enjoy. I enjoy this conversation. This was a good. It's a productive conversation. Just call
1: us anytime. We'll be delighted to interact with you. I always enjoy talking to Josh. You know, Josh is a, a very intelligent, very articulate young person. He has his own reasons for doing things. I don't always understand or agree with him, but I know, I, I believe in his heart, and he's well intentioned, and I, I want him to be successful in what he's doing. And I, I know he understands and appreciates the work that we've done. And he's acknowledged that. Every time he does, my popularity drops. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's the other problem he has. Yeah, so that's, that's the other problem he has. That's what, I tell, hey, that's what I tell all the Republican friends that I have is, if you're careful with me, I'll start letting people know we're friends, and that'll ruin you forever <laughs> in this state. Right. That's right. All three of them. <laughs> uh, that's right that's right there's only three of y'all so uh, 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 John we appreciate you coming on man and 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 taking the heat and uh and, yeah. and answering the questions and uh and 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 honestly for for a lot of the work that you have done to overcome what is a terrible law even if you want not admit sure. it uh and you know and, and being there and, and doing <laughs> <laughs> and doing what you can guys uh,
1: y'all y'all reach back anytime okay
2: all, all right, right thank you sir take
1: care thank y'all
2: all right. <laughs> uh John Merrill. I, hey, yeah. I told you. Uh, you know, I told you David uh, that that John's uh, an interesting figure, man. Um, you know, yeah. he is and and the thing of it is if we hadn't cut him off, we could have done this for an hour. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, we went 40 mm-hmm. minutes as it is. Uh, we could have done it for longer. So, it's uh all right. Let's uh let's slide out. We'll come back and uh, and close this thing up here in just a minute. Uh Alabama Politics this week. Hey, uh before we uh before we move on, I need to uh, uh to mention again our uh, our primary sponsor here, AFL CIO. Uh and uh, you know th- those good folks there that uh that do a, a lot of good work for a lot of workers out there. And it w- it's my dream uh, for the state of Alabama to once again, become a, a pro union state and to have a lot of, uh, a lot of unions operating all over the place, because I, f- I feel like if we do that, uh, we're going to yeah. have a hell of a lot better quality of life for a whole lot of people. Um you know, uh you know the That's businesses right. are gonna come That's here. Right. You know, the arguments about businesses not coming here and all that nonsense is is uh is insane. Businesses will come uh because there's a market here and people who have money here to buy things. Um and you know, and so it's uh we're so we'll have that. The the only question is whether or not they're going to be able to exploit the people of this state. Uh, who work for a living at those companies and at those places of business, uh, you know, for their own personal profits or profits for the CEOs and executives, uh, or will some of that money uh, go to the working folks of this state and into the local communities of this state? And that's what you know, the AFL-CIO kind of kind of helps
0: with. Yeah, it's so crazy that people make the argument that the presence of unions will deter business. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unions are all <laughs> over the country. I mean, just, <laughs> what are you talking about? There's business going on all it's over so the country. Crazy, what are you if talking you, about? If
2: you think back, and I want to say it was uh, Bill Maher a few years ago had this little thing that went viral about uh, the way life used to be back in, you know, like 60s or 70s uh, there when, you know, you could you could go to work at, a, at an auto parts plant. You know, was one of the major employers was was an auto parts manufacturer or auto, or auto manufacturer. Uh, you know, you could earn a living, have a house and a couple of cars and uh, and go on vacation, uh, you know, and this average CEO salary was still you know ten times or so higher than than the average worker's salary which was quite a bit of money you know or and is quite a bit of money uh, and everybody seemed to make it okay you know and and you had a middle class a thriving middle class that that created all sorts of downtown areas and stuff and it just you know it, it's transformed into this other thing now where there there's a wealthy ruling class uh, now and and you've
0: shut out the bottom yeah. row. Hey Josh, uh, you know I, I gotta I gotta hit the buzzer on you, man. You're starting to sound like a socialist. Uh, <laughs> bah, gotta hit the socialist buzzer on you, buddy. Sorry, sorry uh, about that, Josh. Well, uh, no, 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 no. See, socialist one. is
2: is is everybody shares whether you don't work. You know that's socialism. I'm talking about uh-huh. the people who are out here every day busting their asses, you know, to, to put food on the table and stuff. They actually can't put food on the table and still pay the light bill. You know that's what you're that's what you're All looking right. for okay. is, is that sort of thing I, you know what I, I mean, nobody wants anything for well, free we just want what people have worked right. for. you know that's that's what right. we want right so you know and I. well you, you were, yeah i, I, I well, just you think that those folks have, have have picked the right program to sponsor uh aflcio said,
0: absolutely and you and you know i was being and you know i was being extremely facetious oh absolutely um, yes you know, because I, I agree with you 100 percent, but that's the argument that a lot of these folks make. Oh, you're being socialist. when you yeah. Start talking about that, you know, yeah. and that's just uh, as you as you correctly pointed out, that's not socialism.
2: Well, no, that's a uh, you know, that that uh, what what's currently taking place is more socialism than that, uh, you know, because the the folks at the top are taking what these folks have worked for, uh, you know, whether they whether they want it or, not, or whether they've earned it or not. And, and and so that's that's what we're trying to reverse but I, you know i i i really appreciate them you well know, and i know you do too david you know sponsoring us and and keeping the, keeping this place going absolutely. and uh you know and we'll we'll have a, we should have a few others uh, hop on board here uh in the in the near future and and so we look forward to that and and uh you know but long past uh, whatever happens with FLCIO, we're we're going to keep supporting unions and the work that they do so uh, absolutely you know and if you if you need absolutely. more need more information shoot us a line here me an email, jmoon Moon four seven six at Gmail, and we can I can give you tell you about your local union shops and get you to the right folks that uh, that can help you out. Uh, if you're you know want some more information about unions where you work, just just give me a shoot me a line. Hey, um, before we uh, before we wrap up here, there were two things that I wanted to get to, uh, bef- back before we had Merrill on, uh, and that was uh, Mo Brooks. And what happened uh just before Thanksgiving, uh the week we were off with my cupboard. Um and so I'll okay. let you pick, David. Which one would you like to discuss first?
0: Let's uh let's let's hit my favorite congressman, <laughs> who right. actually is my congressman. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, mine too. Uh Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks <laughs> has determined that he is going to challenge uh the results of the presidential election. Uh he is is looking for a senator because there's some sort of a rule that he claims allows one senator and one congressman to challenge every state's results for uh you know for in the uh, electoral college certification and you know a- a- experts uh you know on both sides of the aisle say that yeah you know, that's technically in there but what it's actually going to do is is cause a slight delay of maybe a couple of hours uh, if he goes forward with this nonsense. Um and so what it I guess at the end of the day it's just really more of Mo being Mo, which is, you know, to say that he's being an idiot.
0: Yeah, I think he's uh I think he's uh he's he's the Don Quixote of of, of uh the election <laughs> process. He is he is definitely uh you know having this uh this fantasy with windmills that he thinks he can Uh, I guess, stop or change or whatever. And it's just, it's it's ridiculous. Look, you know, it's amazing to me how, you know, we champion, you know, in this country, all of my life, we've championed the power of the vote, the sanctity Mm -hmm. of the vote, the importance of the vote, and it being the defining element in a democracy. And then when... The the whiny team loses. Mm-hmm. What do they do? They try to find every possible loophole that they can find to try to undo, literally undo, and in- invalidate the votes of American people. Mm-hmm. It's the most undemocratic, you know, uh, you know, just undemocratic, you know, fascist. Um, you know, just the most despicable kind of of governing that I think we've ever seen in this country. It's outrageous. Uh, it's it, outrageous. It, it, it is,
2: and and I'll tell you something else, and, and something that I've I, I wanted to say for a while is, uh, it is not like the Russia scandal with, uh, with with Trump and and Clinton and the Democrats. Um, that is not at all what took place here, there was evidence presented by American intelligence agencies uh, that led to discussions of whether or not the Russians interfered to the point of having contact with people within the Trump campaign to spread disinformation and working with a foreign government, uh, which is what the Trump campaign did a number of different times uh, to obtain illegally obtain information that they were then using to spread around to harm their candidate in a, a U.S. election. No one said, matter of fact, people went to great pains to say that no one questioned the legitimacy of the election and the election results in terms of the voting itself. No one did that no one legitimately did that from the top on down you know what people did say is that we questioned the involvement of a foreign entity and the welcoming of that involvement by a presidential campaign in the US election and that's the reason why so many people in the trump campaign went to damn jail mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, it it just bugs me a lot. Oh, really? The same people that talked about Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, the reason people talked about Russia, Russia, Russia is because a bunch of Trump people kept going to jail over Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, You know, and uh, and it's, you know, you can say it was whatever, but the facts remain. There were, there was a lot of information that was exchanged there. There was over 200 contacts between the Trump campaign and uh, different Russian operatives at that time. Uh, and, And there was a lot of things that happened. Uh, That went on there. They didn't cause uh, no one hacked a voting machine. No one stole votes. No one did any of that stuff. But what took place was illegal in terms of U.S. law. And, you know, you can uh, say the president got off uh, of this or was exonerated or whatever. He was not. Uh, And if you read the Mueller report, Mueller was pretty clear and adamant about, uh, you know, the the collusion uh, that took place there uh, and him then attempting to cover up this whole thing uh, with the obstruction charges that were there. And, uh, you know, if we'd had a little better DOJ and a little better AG, I think we would have probably had a president uh, that was that was impeached. (laughs) But, you know, here we are. Uh, This is is where we are. And now we've got this child that we're trying to forcibly remove from the White House. Um, which, which, I guess, kind of goes back into uh, the whole Alabamafication of of America, uh, <laughs> and and what gets us right into my cupboard, which is,
0: that's funny, uh, the Alabamafication, the Bamification. Yeah, I mean-
2: yeah, I mean, that's what's taking place here. I mean, look, look around. I mean, we've turned um, all of America into one big Alabama with the stupid corruption. Uh, and, and the people that that are running things and just blatantly, you know, trying to scam everybody out of money, uh, because they have no other skill other than to try to steal government money. And so that's what they're doing uh you know look all of trump's campaign or his his presidency has been him tr- figuring out ways to get money out of the government whether it's sending the secret service to his hotels or playing golf at his golf courses or you know moving every event to mar-a-lago you know it's yeah, all been a scam right. it, i mean that's, that's right. what we are known for here man
0: that's right that's right and also the foreign governments that have uh that have made it a point to patronize his hotels even if they didn't actually stay there, they were they were apparently paying, you know, booking rooms, whether yep. they stayed there or not. I mean, this is, you know, again, it just, you know, clear violations of the emoluments clause, you know, the whole uh, the whole idea of the Trump children and son-in-law, you know, sort of floating between business and government freely without any mm-hmm. kind of checks and balances you know, taking advantage of uh, opportunity and information. You know it's just been one big scam, like you said
2: it's uh, i mean it's it's a listen it's an amazing scam that they pulled off that they that they've done all that they've done and they've still managed to get seventy plus million people to vote for him um, you know it's it's a real indictment of of Americans and and how much they're paying attention to what's actually going on and how much they value actual law and order, uh, especially when it's white people in suits and ties who are doing the crime. Uh, but you know, and, and a perfect example of that is Mike Hubbard in this state and you know, what took place on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which is the day historically set aside for dumping news that you don't want anybody to remember come the next Monday. Um, you know, that's when the judge in Lee County, Jacob Walker, uh, reduced Mike, Mike, uh, Hubbard's sentence, uh, from 48 months to 28 months. And, you know, I, I don't. This has been, it's been such an embarrassment uh, and and such an obvious use of the courts and the legislature by one party to circumvent the laws that they wrote just to help out a friend of theirs. Uh, It's it's really pretty sickening what, what took place with this. Uh, there's no question that Mike Hubbard broke the law. There's no question that he knew what the law was. There's no question that, d- judging by the emails that were revealed in court during this thing, there's no question that that was his intent was to was to enrich himself by using misusing his public office there for his own personal gain. There's no doubt that's what he was doing. Uh, none. And, and a jury in Lee County took a look at it and said, hey, here, there are 20 some odd charges here. We don't feel like he met the, the, the burden of proof on these eight or nine. And we're going to charge him with these 12 because he clearly violated the law in these 12. And those those jury members did some put some actual thought into this and, and knew what the hell they were talking about. And then for the last four years, they have steadily worked at the legislative level and at the judicial level to remove the laws or alter the laws that convicted Mike Hubbard in order to lessen his sentence. And they were finally able to do it uh, to the extent that where now he's only going to serve two years or so uh, in in jail. And, you know, it's it really is. I, you know, and, and this is the other thing. I don't care that Mike Hubbard has been in two years instead of four years in jail. Uh, that's not the point. The point is how it has been handled uh, since then. You know, you set this up, you know, he got a punishment, let him pay the price.
0: Right, right. And the price then the price should not be subject to the political whims or the political agenda of uh, you know, of the controlling party. And that's what you no, know, once no. again, we're seeing a situation where the powerful use the leverage they have to, you know, create advantages for other powerful people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and the the really sad and infuriating part of it is they will pay no political cost whatsoever. Um, It will not change a single person's vote. And that's where that to me is, I don't know how you change that. You know, that's, that's the problem. I don't, I, what, what do you do to change that?
0: Well again, you know it's it, it goes back to what we talked about in the uh, in the first segment of the show, Josh. I think you know people have been people's expectations have been lowered dramatically in our state and and people have been you know acculturated to believe that um it almost doesn't matter what a republican does a Republican vote is always going to be better than a democratic vote, than a Democrat, you know, voting for a Democrat. And, and they're just people who, I mean, that's, that's their religion right along with going to their Southern Baptist church and watching uh, Alabama or Auburn football. It's, it's, it's right up there within that, in those religious categories, really.
2: Yeah. I mean, but you know, at at a point we got to figure out a way to change that, you know, and Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to know what that is. I'd like to know, you know, what, what, what egregious act puts it over the line for people? Uh, you know, what, what alternative makes them say, Hey, wait a minute. Um, you know, this guy who knows what he's talking about and has a plan for addressing education and poverty and, uh, you know, and and my working conditions and healthcare in this uh, state, uh, is probably better than this guy who just says he's a Republican and he's going to fight abortion and stuff at the national level. Uh, you know, I mean, at some point I don't understand how that doesn't ring home for anybody.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, unfortunately i'm not optimistic on this point i just i think i just don't think there's going to be in the key population uh the key segments of the population where there needs to be change i just don't think there's going to be change i think you know not at least not not uh significantly uh i think the the change is going to have to come with you know we who are on the the this side of the the political spectrum doing a better job of getting our voters out and of articulating our policies. And we'll be able to maybe slice off, you know, a few, uh, you know, people that have been voting on the other side, but, uh, but, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to just do a better job of messaging and strategizing. And then, you know, whenever we get in office, we're going to have to execute. We're going to have to deliver. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. Uh, you know it. Uh, it it and at times can uh, can can appear hopeless, but uh, you know maybe maybe as we go along, we can uh, we could uh, gain a little bit of ground. I tell you what really what really helps us uh, are people like Melissa Carone. Um, that, uh, those, those sorts of people really really, really help us. <laughs> and if you don't know who who Melissa Carone is, well. Uh, she was a lady that was uh, uh, the star witness uh, for the Rudy Giuliani uh, freak show, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, that's uh, that has or, traveled yeah. state to state now, uh, you know, trying to overturn a valid election, uh, in, in various states and, um, it's, uh, she was really something else. If you've ever seen, uh, Cecily Strong from SNL, her character, uh, girl, you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party. Uh, Melissa Carone <laughs> is a dead ringer for, for that, uh, uh, for that girl. Uh, but, uh, uh, we're, we're gonna, so we're, we're gonna close with that. Like we did last week and, and she is our right wing nut of the week. And we, we, we did, uh, I think kind of a moment of Zen type thing with Kenneth Copeland. Uh, just playing us out with his ridiculous laugh a couple of weeks ago, and we'll do the same with uh, with Corone and her whew, her ridiculous uh, testimony. I don't really even know if that's the right word.
0: For, uh, can what, we what call it place, that? Dude. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just but, very bizarre. It was just, and, and Giuliani seemed uncomfortable at a certain <laughs> point too. Uh, it was just bizarre. I think it was bizarre, even for Giuliani.
2: Yeah, and, and Giuliani farted earlier in the proceeding, and, and you know <laughs> what? And, I mean, and he and he, even, really? even that was more. Yeah, wow. yes, there's a, there's a tape of that as well. I mean, it's, it's, I'm honestly, man, wow. it's been a, it's like a sideshow type thing. Like, I mean, it's it's been the most embarrassing thing I think I've seen in a long time, and that Rudy Giuliani just God, he sold himself out to the point I just don't understand what's going on anymore. But um, you know. How guess, does Trump
0: continue to have him out there representing him? I don't understand that.
2: I, I don't either. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, I, man, there's so much of things that I don't understand anymore. I've just given up on, uh, on a lot of stuff. It, it just, it, it just, the, the things grow every day, but you just don't, what, you know, you just look around and you're like, what the hell is going on here? What is this? And it just, you know, every day there's something else. And um, I'm on some days it's like every hour and it's like every day is a week long for some reason, you know, uh, just just insane. Uh, But yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's, uh, I guess that that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, you know, this week that was, you know, (laughs) Hey, good show though. Good show. I thought.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dynamic conversation with John Merrill, uh, I knew it was going to be robust, though, because yeah. <laughs> you know that's your boy. So I knew it was going to be robust. That's my
2: boy. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's, that's the way the interview went. Yeah, that's uh, that's my boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 but yeah, I tell, you know, uh, it's, it, where else, where else can you get this content? Nowhere. So.
0: Um mm, mm, mm. Right, let's,
2: let's get out of here we'll leave you with uh with the stylings of Melissa Carone and uh and whatever this <laughs> the show <stylings>. is that, <laughs> yeah, and whatever this this show is that Rudy Giuliani is putting on. Uh he should really charge people for this, but uh I hope actually <laughs> I I don't want to give him any ideas. All right. Let's yeah, uh, let's get really. out of here. Uh, until next right, week, uh, we'll we'll see you guys then. Uh, y'all have y'all have a safe week. Peace.
0: Peace. You take
2: a look, look again. Take a look again. Option number two is that they essentially were were filling in names of people who didn't vote. That, Dead that, people too.
1: Why we're not seeing the poll book off by thirty thousand votes? That that's not the case. What did you guys do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it? <laughs> I'm just saying the numbers are not off by thirty thousand votes. So, I know are what you I saw. That they're filling in I know what names?
2: I saw. And I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Okay. Did you?
1: Yeah, I guess I just want to keep following back up with the poll books.
0: So are we saying that the poll book is either wildly off or that they are, wildly that they are filling off. in names?
2: It's wildly off, and dead people voted, and uh,
1: illegals voted. Okay. So, that's my uh, answer. I think